podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so Blank Game Week is over with a splatter. Quick turnaround pod this week, uh, starting off with Nick, just had his Tesco delivery. You all right? Bit of background noise, I'm afraid, just now with the uh, the Tesco deliveries. Apologies for that, but yeah, it was it's a little bit of a a damp squib, wasn't it? Ultimately, with Everton being the only team that scored more than one goal this week, and and of course, um, no one really targeted those Everton players, did they either? So, yeah, uh, not great all in all for for those three hitters. I think end result is um, advantage for non free hitters ultimately, but we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit more in the team reviews. We are, of course, who got the assist. Make sure to give us a follow on social media if you don't already and, and join our mini league, which the code is CPSULF. We have um, Anthony back as well. Uh, like myself, I know you've been super busy with, with work and exams. So, so how are you doing? We're still here anyway, Nick, which is um, the good thing. I was one of those non-free hitters, so I'm pretty content having watched basically nothing happen over the last few days in the Premier League. It was really delightful for once for that to happen. Hey. So, yeah. <laughs> Woo. Uh, yeah. So... I guess moving on towards the double game week, guys, because that's what everyone wants to do. Uh, we have a quick pod tonight, frisking through that double game week, looking at basically the questions that you guys really want answered, the likes of who should be the captain, who are the key men to have, who are the differentials. And then we've also got our usual listeners' questions as well. The correspondence section, it is on hold. It's not dead. Don't worry, guys. I, I know there was some concern, but it's not dead. We just, because there's such a short turnaround between this pod and the next deadline we didn't feel like we'd be giving the valuable contributors any value for money or value for their time or value for their effort if we just stuck their correspondence into the middle of this very quick pod <laughs> all right uh, let's move on to the game reviews then uh, as anthony has already intimated spoiler alert it was not the best of uh, game weeks the spectacular outcome that we all were envisioning did not come to pass and though you finished uh, at the bottom of the pile anthony you've got to be relieved ecstatic uh, with that your nine men have come through and somehow stolen your green arrow by the sounds of it yeah, I think it's very rare that I'd be the last of all of us and think that I've um, got the triumph here. It's, some sort of, it's not even a Pyrrhic victory. It's just delightful. Uh, so I got 45 points net, 49 points, and I took a hit as well, uh, which was enough to, it seems, get me up effectively one set, one point's worth of ranks uh, to about 277k, having started on uh, 288k. Uh, Basically, I was led by the defence. Mitchell uh, was my highest scorer when you take away captaincy uh, out of the consideration with eight points. Uh, Diaz and Cancelo. Diaz came into my team for Chilwell of one of my transfers. I had Saka who came in as one of my transfers. He didn't do too much with three points, but I'm glad I had him because he was pretty active in terms of just, you know, actually having attempted contributions at least. So I was a lot more content having him in my side. De Bruyne came into my side for Salah. He was captained, unfortunately, didn't get uh, an extra assist or even a penalty uh, at the end of the game, but still an assist nevertheless, 12 points. San Fernandez covered me against uh, everyone who owned them on free hits. Brewster uh, hit the post, in fairness, which is more than he usually does, but still one point, which is very much normal service. Calvert-Lewin, unfortunately injured, so didn't play. And Harry Kane, eight points, which would have been, I guess, the best of the captaincy options as it transpired, which I guess shows just how disappointing this game week was for so many people. But overall, I guess, when you take into account that the average free hitter in the top 10K got 52 points to be just seven points behind them, I think is a 
pretty decent week for me and I ha- still have my free hit when the real difficult season comes around later with uh, later rounds of the FA Cup clashing with fixtures. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely take that. That's, that's a really good score considering you didn't use your chip. Um, so yeah, I, I scored seven points more than you. I got that 51 points in the end. Um, I was, as, as people who listened to the last problem, I did succumb and, and used a free hit and with Martinez, his um, Aston Villa fixture being cancelled, uh, Calvert-Lewin uh, having an injury, it, it just kind of put me in a position where I was just so short of men that it, it wasn't looking like it was going to be worth it. So, I, and yeah, to be honest, like the players that I brought in didn't really do a lot considering what my plans moves were. I was going to bring in De Bruyne and, and Diaz on a hit anyway. Um, got both of those in on the free hit. They got seven and six. So Maguire came in. Um, did the best out of all the players I actually brought in for the free hit with his six pointer. But um, yeah, obviously he could have had a 15 pointer um, had that not had that goal not been declared a foul, which was a bit of a, but uh, so I was a bit unfortunate there. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's, it wasn't that great. A captain Bruno, that, that was blanks on, son blanks. Saka came in on the free hit for a three pointer. Martial and Wilson both came in on the free hit and both got two points. Oh. Just waste, waste of space. Um, Lloris came in in goal. He got he only got three points. Um, the highlight really was was I guess the players that I already owned. K got eight and and Mitchell because uh, Tierney didn't play. He came off the bench for a nice eight-pointer, really kind of saved the game week a little bit, um, creating um, a 10k green arrow up to, to 49k. So it's, it's always the unlikely lads to turn up, isn't it, for me, um, with that Mitchell uh, return off the bench. But I think you got that as well, Tom. You've had a pretty decent free hit all in all. Oh, I, don't know if it, I don't know if it's decent. It's, uh, well, I've got a green arrow. I think I've got 200k green arrow because I'm still at the level of... Um low rank for um, doing okay means that you do fairly well um yeah 55 i got in the end you know, de bruyne captain got an assist um that was it i mean there was some evidence of elite finishing uh, going on um namely a, a glaring miss which would have been the hunderhan assist as well which, which i'm still okay about i'm fine with that uh, the main star really for me actually outside of um kane and mitchell was aaron ramsdale uh, got me a clean sheet and he got me nine points, uh, which was which was quite interesting. I read uh, earlier on that the last time uh, Ramsdale got a clean sheet, Donald Trump was impeached too. So one of those kind of weird moments uh, that intersects real life. Uh, but yeah, Mitchell this evening coming off the bench with eight when Tierney was shockingly not involved, I guess was a, a nice sort of end to it. Never have I wanted us not to score us being Arsenal more than this evening. So a bit of a bit of a crap watch really to end the game week. Apart from that. Yeah, I mean, every free hit I've ever done, I think, has been a bit of a shower. And this one is no different. And there's not not really too many things I could have done differently. I think it really is, again, a case of what could have been, as Nick said. Um, You know, a few things with the Bruyne going going my way. Uh, Martial as well. I mean, he had an an XG, a non-pen XG of 0.61. I think that's the third highest underachiever of the whole game week. Um, Big one-on-one he missed at the end as well. And uh, on top of that, Son as well. Obviously, that wouldn't have done very much for me, but he was a top underachiever in terms of XG. So it could have been, you know, 70, 80 points or really if everything had gone a little bit differently. But, you know, you don't get any points for almost, do you? Right, let's move on to uh, the double game week heading up. And uh, the first thing to look at, of course, is the market forces. Nick, a concise one this week. What's going on? Yeah, so it's quite interesting when the market forces to uh, Patrick Bamford's actually the most transferred in player um, with 155,000 transfers in time of recording. I'm sure that will be subject to change by the end of the game, but just shows the risk, I guess, of making those early transfer moves. Um, obviously, he's having, having a great season there with 10 goals, five assists, outperforming those expectations. But 
um, yeah, only the single game week now. So, you know, other managers are now looking at other forwards, perhaps if you're looking at forwards like Antonio and, uh, and Watkins. So so we'll keep an eye out for that. Otherwise, it's, it's about the West Ham men. Uh, Stuchek and Antonio, who I just mentioned, uh, both have had 115,000 transfers in at time of recording. Obviously, very good picks for the uh, for the next double game week with uh, their brilliant fixtures. Um, and then, um, then it's about Foden actually. So Foden started the last two City games, um, got a couple goals and assists. Um, you know, looks like a in, very interesting pick, I guess, for the double game week. But you know, you have to wonder whether it's going to be a, another false dawn with him, um, considering before that he'd only started one game in nine. So certainly one to watch. And um, and also Kevin De Bruyne um, attracts a lot of attention. Ninety thousand transfers in for him to round up the transfers in. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, um, transfers out. It's Calvert-Lewin's obviously injured. Son, he's got a single game week. Wilson, a lot of sales for him. He did blank, but Newcastle might now have a double. So again, anyone who's done a Wilson to Bamford type move um, could be punished by that one. And uh, and Zaha and, and Neto, two other players with only a single game week that are rounding up the transfers out. Looks like double game week momentum starts to gain traction in the economy. But let's move on to that double game week. And uh, well... It's here, finally. Uh, lots of different iterations, lots of uh, moving the goalpost from, you know, Leeds's double game week going uh, to Man City's double game week being given, uh, Aston Villa's double game week being changed. Uh, and the week has been elongated now as well. And um, so the next uh, game week actually goes all the way up uh, to Saturday the 23rd. So gosh, a, a week-long game week in FPL. I'm not sure, I've, uh, not sure I can remember one being that long ever, actually. Um, but yeah, a lot of uh, interest, of course, because it is here. Uh, so what are we doing? What, how are we approaching it? Are any of you playing any chips or anything? I'm not going to be bench boosting, but just my, my team's in a little bit of disarray, to be honest. Like We've obviously the Leeds um, Southampton game being cancelled as well. Um, I'm down to six double game weekers right now. Uh, so... Not, not a lot of um, you know good assets for this particular game week. I've still got front line of Kane, Calvert Lewin, and Adams. I don't know why they're still there. Those guys, um, especially Calvert Lewin, who's now injured. Adams also flagged, no longer has a double game week. So I'm looking to get rid of those guys. Those are going to be the priority to to move them on. Probably for Watkins and probably Antonio as well. Though there's question marks there still about his fitness so very much depends if we get anything interesting out of the press conference tomorrow um i'm also possibly going to do another move so i might take a minus eight just to get more double game week players in so i might do a defensive swap as well using a little bit of that extra cash probably moving someone like walker peters on to diaz or someone like that at manchester city but it does mean that i'm going to be taking a minus eight and also not owning de bruyne so a little bit of risk there. Perhaps we'll, we'll cover that in a little bit. With with those three moves, I'm going to be in a position with nine double game weekers and then Son and Kane. So puts me with a relatively decent squad at least. Are you going to need a chip though? No chips. I don't think I'll be using any chips either. I'm, I'm not too enthused by the triple cap options. Um, I haven't really planned all that carefully for this double game week with a view to trying to get a bench boost together. And I don't I certainly don't have a bench worth talking about at the moment with Brewster and an injured Calvert-Lewin and Mitchell kind of being the three players that will be benched in my current format. So with that in mind, I think it'll be just uh, transfers, maybe a single hit to uh, settle me up for this, but nothing more than that. Yeah, um, 
I'm similar to Nick, actually. I think I'll be taking a minus eight of some sort, but I'm, I'm undersized about chips at the moment. I think we'll, we'll come on to them in a little bit. Uh, but the first thing to talk about, I guess, is uh, captains, um, whether we are going to be whether we're going to be triple captaining or not. Obviously, the biggest decision this week is where the armband's going to go. A good question to start this with is Adam Pritchard, who asks if going without KDB is crazy, stupid, ignorant, or dumb. And I'm assuming he means um, by that that he's going to go without and wants some reassurance that it probably is going to be okay. Um, hmm. I suspect that for most people, Kevin De Bruyne is the de facto captain with Crystal Palace and Aston Villa both be a pair of home games there. And um, I suspect he's going to be most people's captain, isn't he? Anthony, you've got De Bruyne. Are you looking to give him the armband? Yeah, I, I do indeed have De Bruyne. And I guess if you were to look at the fixtures just simply on paper, you'd have to say that City's fixtures are the best of them. Now, City's performance the other day would definitely give you I guess, at least cause to pause uh, with that decision. And I'm not quite sure precisely what I'll do. However, I just as a blocking tactic, if anything, I'm currently leaning towards uh, captaining De Bruyne. Now, I'm considering a fairly radical overhaul of my side, which would include a hit, which would then bring Salah into my side to replace Son. I know that's kind of mad when he's playing away to Sheffield United, but that's what I am considering. If, Son, if Salah is in my side, I think the decision becomes an awful lot harder. But when it's De Bruyne versus Bruno Fernandes, who has a game against Liverpool, I'm just in not as big of a rush, I guess. And I wouldn't be captaining one of the single game weakers, even if uh, Sheffield is a decent enough fixture for Spurs, just because Spurs are playing so, so carefully right now. Uh, Jamie Vardy mm-hmm. is someone who's on my radar, but I just don't think I'll be able to get him in. He'd be an interesting uh, captaincy pick, I think, if you were able to get him into your side, just based on those fixtures that Leicester have. Southampton with that uh, known high line, I think that it would suit him. And uh, Chelsea, he just, he, look, Vardy has a knack against top sides anyway. And this is, you know, one of those things that's continued to play out over and over again. And Chelsea's defence definitely hasn't been as strong as it was for a certain few weeks or earlier in this season. I did look at Vardy because I've got him. I think his non-pen XG is at 1.8 or something over the last six games. But it would be very Vardy, wouldn't it, for him to come through over the last over those sort of a couple of home fixtures. Um, but I do think De Bruyne is probably the one shock horror. He does have a bit of best fixtures, as I've noted. Um, as I did kind of intimate earlier, I'm not buying this idea that he's an elite finisher, at least not this year. He's simply not. Um, I'm hardly somebody who's standing on the sideline shouting that stats are bad, watch the game, mate. Uh, but the myth that KDB is this predator in the box is simply untrue, at least this season, if you watch the games. He's got one goal from open play, which is a tapping from a rebound. He's missed six big chances. Um, that's the second for midfielders. And he's frankly the guy who'd rather be passing rather than shooting. He's a deluxe Jack Grealish at this point. Um, but he is fourth for non-pen SG over the last six. He is second for chances created and top for big chances created. Uh, that's for Jack Grealish as well. And he also should have penalties back after Sterling's aberration. And his assist potential, of course, is legendary. So... Grounding expectations this week in double game week, two home games, two assists and a penalty goal is perfectly reasonable as an expectation versus Crystal Palace and Aston Villa. And I think that would represent a captaincy hall I'm perfectly happy with. So I think that given how things are looking, that would be where I'd go. I think Bruno's four yellow cards makes him uncaptainable. If he gets a yellow card versus Liverpool, you've basically lost uh, your second game. 
but Salah's home double, that's the other one I'm interested in. Uh, there was a really interesting stat I saw in The Athletic that his non-pen XG has fallen off from 0.5 MP XG per game uh, over the last three seasons to 0.33 now, 0.34 I think it was actually. And astonishingly, this is a big one for him, he's failed to have a shot in the six-yard box in the whole of the 2021 season. TC, hmm, not too sure whether I'll put it on De Bruyne this week. I might well do um, because, as I said, one goal and two assists would be my expectation over the next two games. Would I like that from triple caps? And I would. I mean, surely City are going to administer this spanking every now and again. Uh, but Nick, it sounds like you're going to be dodging uh, Kevin De Bruyne. So what are you going to be doing with your captain's armband? It's not a scenario that I really want to be in for this, for this game week. It's just I've got so many other issues to deal with and there's just no way that I can actually get De Bruyne into my team without starting to look at almost like minus 12s minus 16s it's it's not feasible and also looking to probably sell say uh, Kane and, and Son to to try and bring him in because even you know people talking about Son to KDB that would still be 2.1 million that I'd have to pull out of a hat somewhere just just to get this guy in so I'm, I'm gonna ignore all the the stats I'm not gonna think about it too much and just hope I can get away with um, with not only De Bruyne. I mean, as you said, you know, Crystal Palace and Aston Villa, it, it looks good on paper, certainly. But both those teams have um, been relatively decent defensively um, this season. Palace, I know, have had, um, you know, got smashed um, that one week against Liverpool. But otherwise, um, you know, last couple of games, they, they've looked pretty solid, especially with Mitchell back in the side doing his business in, at left back. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think De Bruyne obviously probably is the standout captain's pick. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try and make a case as to why he isn't. But I think because I don't own him, he's probably gonna have to go go on Salah for me uh, for this week. I think he's probably uh, pe- just pegs it between him and Bruno in terms of the second choice. Just an interesting one on Crystal Palace because I guess they have got two clean sheets in their last four, which would make you uh, maybe more confident in their defence than you would have been after the Liverpool game, uh, on paper at least. But when you look at the underlying stats, Crystal Palace's defence in the four games since that hockeying has actually been the second worst in terms of, let's say, shots conceded in the box. 35, only Brighton with more shots conceded in the box. And uh, it's the same as well in XGC, which 7.11 is only just a little less than 7.12 that uh, Newcastle have. So have Crystal Palace's defence been flattering to, see, to deceive and are they actually well teed up for Man City to deliver a spanking or are they tighter than their stats actually would suggest? That's maybe the question that you need to ask yourself as well when you're thinking about especially triple captaining De Bruyne or captaining him as well. Yeah, I mean, we've been saying about that for so long, haven't we? Oh, you know, it's, it's going to come for De Bruyne. He's got these underlying stats, which he hasn't yet expressed in terms of FPL points. If it is a game of prediction and you're kind of saying, right, these are eventually going to show, um, you're going to think the next two home games are going to be the ones for that. Slight caveat that Pep has said, oh, he looked really knack at the end of the last game. That's why he gave Sterling the penalty, because he couldn't kick a ball. I, I don't really know why he said that he was so tired, so Sterling had to take the penalty. He didn't quite get that one. Obviously, I'm pretty sure it won't happen, but there could be a chance that he may be given some limited minutes, shall we say. Pep will be over to him with matched sticks to keep his eyelids (laughs) parted next match. The the pinker he gets, the more more likely he subbed off. (laughs) But yeah, it sounds sounds like two De Bruyne's and one Salah default. Excellent. Uh, So let's move on to the key men then. I'm sure a lot of these players are in place already for a lot of people. Um, A good question on this was from the FPL sergeant who asked if the likes of Villa and Sissy players are the best to bring in. So they've got the double whammy of uh, double game week 19 and two 
fixtures in hand. So the sorts of players who are going to sustain you um, over the next kind of little period. Uh, let's start off with the Man City uh, defence. So we've kind of covered De Bruyne. Their defence is just exemplary, really. And I look at the data earlier right and it's, it's fairly mind-blowing. So over the last six, they've got the lowest XGC, 2.83, uh, just under two fewer expected concession than whoever's second from bottom, which is Liverpool. They've conceded just nine shots on target and just three big chances in the last six, which is 1.5 shots on target and 0.5 big chances per game. So normally with City, since every season with the likes of Edison, he keeps about 18 or 19 clean sheets. So that means you get kind of a 50-50 chance of a clean sheet. But at the moment, I, it feels like with that sort of data, you've got a 60-40 chance of getting clean sheet, maybe even 65-35. So having one or two is probably going to be a really, really good idea. Unfortunately, I'm not in a position to get one or two without selling Robertson, which I'm not looking at doing. So um, I'm probably going to be hoping that the same Crystal Palace and Villa teams that we've just derided in terms of um, being biscuits for KDB to break um, are going to be uh, the same team who um, rob a goal or two, uh, just to make me feel better about not uh, only one of their um, players. Are you guys jumping in? I don't own any City players at the moment, so I'm, I'm a little screwed in, in that regard. I think. Have you turned pre- to guard yet, Nick? Well, pre- uh, this is the thing. <laughs> they, they had this unannounced double game week thrown at me, and it kind of, like with all these fixture changes that are happening at the moment, it's, it's kind of threw me completely off my guard. And I've, I've had to think urgently about how to bring in the City players. And, and my plan was actually to bring in De Bruyne and Diaz last week, but I ended up free hitting instead. So. I think I think certainly one defender is going to come in for me using a little bit of that budget that I've got um, from replacing my forwards. Uh, probably going to be Diaz, I think, just because I feel like he's probably the most secure of all the options in defence. You know, I think Cancelo looks pretty exciting going forward, very attacking. There were question marks as to whether he was going to actually start, but um, it was Kyle Walker that was on the bench. And, and you know how Pep is. You know, he could only start potentially one of those games. Um, so there's a risk of rotation there. So I think I'm going to be safe and boring and then bring in Ruben Diaz uh, for my Manchester City defence. And, and it's not just about the double game week. It's worth highlighting as well for Manchester City. Obviously, great fixtures with a double. But after that, there's, there's just so many options, so many chances for more clean sheets. West Brom, Sheffield United, Burnley, you know. I think ideally I'd have two if I could, and I might even get another one in for game week twenty or game week twenty one because those those fixtures they just they, you just don't have better, do you? So um, yeah, certainly I'd highly recommend Manchester City uh, defenders. Yeah, all the uh, fixture tickers would point to suggesting that City, even beyond this double game week, have the good fixtures. And I guess given that I didn't free hit, and because City were one of the teams that were playing, I naturally ended up with triple City uh, for the double for the blank game week, uh, consisting of De Bruyne, Diaz, and Cancelo. So I ended up following through on the plan that you'd initially had, Nick, and brought in De Bruyne and Diaz. Uh, so I'll obviously stick with those three for this double game week and just continue to hope that Cancelo continues to play. I, I feel like the day will come where he doesn't play. And it could easily be in the next few days, but uh, we'll enjoy the run and we'll hope that he actually finally delivers one of those much promised attacking returns from that. I guess when you're looking at the fixtures that teams have kind of throughout the, the rest of the league, I think Villa are quite an interesting one because they're a team that a lot of us would have had players from. A lot of people would have Martinez. Grealish would obviously be quite a popular pick, although he's found his way out of teams in you know, last while. So they obviously have that City game that's away, but then they're at home to Newcastle and that was the game that was added ahead of this double game week. And I think it's that latter fixture that makes them particularly interesting um, because they have been in pretty decent form overall. So there's 
the thing is that if you've if you've had Grealish in your side, of course he's essential. But if you don't have Grealish in your side, he's quite difficult to get back in if you've been uh, working around the blank game week or any of the other game weeks for that matter. And that means that you've the likes of El Ghazi and Watkins are going to be of interest to people as well. I personally, if I was looking to bring a another Villa player into my team to join Martinez, I think I would probably be looking to El Ghazi just because his underlying stats were so, so promising. Uh, for weeks and his form has obviously been quite good as well he's been pretty much uh, surpassing Grealish in most metrics that will be important to FPL managers <clears throat> in recent weeks so he's the top for shots in the um, in the whole entire league for the last six game weeks as well which is um, pretty interesting so he would be my pick there although I do understand that a lot of people are probably going to be trying to fill a striker slot uh, because of Calvert-Lewin Watkins is as good a pick as any in there although to be honest I might still favour Bamford with one fixture over Watkins with two yeah, he's a, the most unlucky player in FPL, I think. I think if you can name a way to dodge points, be it being offside, being hit the crossbar, being, I don't know, I don't know what's happened. The goal's ruled out. Um, he's had the most shots in the box of the last six of any player, Watkins. And Villa in general, going forward, um, I'm, I'm obviously confirmation biasing myself a little bit in terms of not owning six defenders here, um, have been pretty damn good. Um, as a team, they've had the most shots in the box over the last six Two more than United and eight more than City on 65. Um, as Anthony mentioned, you know, Jack is far and away probably the best asset there, um, but you may have budgetary issues with him. Um, he's top for big chances created and chances created um, over the last six games, and he's doing okay as well in the um, in the shooting goal threat sort of uh, metrics as well. Uh, but it has to be Algazi too. I completely agree with that. Um, he'd be one of the differentials that I'd highlight, so I'm going to kind of push that up here. But he's got more shots on target than anybody else. He's got the highest non-PenXG over the last six as well of any player. Um, really, really under the radar just because I guess people have had Grealish and of course Villa's fix has not been that great. Um, but maybe this could be a time to have a sneaky differential like that guy. Uh, Nick, where are you with Villa? Still got Martinez, of course. Do you still have Grealish in your team? No, I saw Grealish a while back, but I'm certainly um, considering bringing in um, Ollie Watkins uh, because as I said, I've, I've got to sort out my forwards. And yeah, Watkins at, at 6.1 million looks like perfect fits for my team if I can't get a greenish I don't have space in my midfield Watkins um in the forward line looks like the perfect asset to bring in as you highlighted you know most shots inside the box in the last six looking very um attacking being very very unlucky this season it's, it's just ridiculous how many goals he's had <laughs> hitting crossbars missed penalties you know giving away penalties all sorts of going on for, for Watkins, most shots so. in the box in the last six uh yep goal conversion Zero. <laughs> I know. That, that's a little bit uh, concerning, perhaps. But, you know, from what I've actually seen of him playing, he, he definitely looks like he, he's just been unlucky. And I can see points for him in this double game week. So he's going to be the, the Aston Villa player that I bring in. Um, yeah, I've got Martinez in goal. He, he's going to stay there for a long time, I think, now. Um, but otherwise, uh, I think I'm pretty happy with two Aston Villa uh, players for the double game week. Yeah, I'm happy there too. I've still got Martinez and Grealish as mentioned. Uh, other team as well, uh, West Ham. Probably got the best double of the lot. Uh, Burnley at home and West Brom at home. I did have a hunt through the stats and I couldn't really find very much to commend them um, other than 
no, no, there's not very much here. Um, one guy, I suppose, that's worth bringing up just due to being mad value is uh, Big Thomas Suchek, Moyes' Fellaini Mark II, the reincarnation of Morawan. Um, eight shots in the box in the last six and a massive 50% goal involvement for West Ham. Increasingly, the guy they look to to make that difference, especially when the clock runs down. I think he'll be the guy that I bring in and hope um, covers me for, for West Ham. Um, but I'm guessing those teams are going to have, have hammers at their core, aren't they? Yeah, I'm actually quite a big fan of um, Aaron Cresswell for, for the double game week. So um, he's got six assists, which is the most out of all the defenders in terms of actual chances created. Um, he's actually only five players have actually managed more um, chances uh, over the course of the season. So he's really up there in terms of the stats. He, he, he's, um, he's having a bit of a great season as well. Um, West Ham have managed six clean sheets and and looking at who they're playing, they're, they're playing Burnley and West Brom, who are within the bottom three or goal attempts across all teams, so you can you could potentially see a double clean sheet in there for for West Ham, perhaps even an assist for Cresswell. I think he looks like a really good um, pick for that double game week. Yeah, it, it is quite interesting. I think Suchek should be in every side at this point. He's just been returning so well, and he is so affordable, and he enables you to do so many other things that it, it, you know it's it's quite hard to come up with a compelling reason not to put him into your side, except for just not wanting to admit defeat on it. I think when you do talk about the West Ham defenders, they are actually defensively like, okay, good, fine. You know, don't want to get too excited, but they are good. And their XGC, for example, in the last six is the uh, third best. That's not the third worst. That's the third best just behind Liverpool and City, which is quite decent. Um, and as you point out, Aaron Cresswell is probably the um, the you know defender of choice there in terms of both of his, his attacking output in terms of shots and in terms of chances created too. And I just like Soufal purely because he's been in my side for so long. Um, he's seven chances created in the last six, so he's tipping away with a bit of a threat there and he's 4.7, which makes him, um, I guess, a nice affordable option to have in your side. And I, I kind of, I'd fallen off West Ham's defense quite a few weeks ago. And then there've just been a few decent performances around the place that would make you that little bit more confident in them, mm. which would mean that I think that, you know, two West Ham players is fine. Three, you might be getting a bit excessive there. Like a, a Burnley at home, what West Brom at home. I don't, I'm, like they could get two clean sheets, sure. But I think they'll conspire not to get one of them at least. Um, but that, that's still pretty good for that price point though. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other one I'd highlight is an old favourite of mine, Craig Brackets Mike Dawson. Um, he's now in play uh, because Moyes doesn't fancy Diop and Balbuena is in quarantine. Um, so he's come into the team. He, he uh, scored the winner um, in the cup as well uh, on the weekend. But yeah, 4.5 million. Um, so the cheapest route into that West Ham defence and loves a set piece attempt. Last year, he was by far and away the best defender in Project Restart in terms of attacking data. And he's done this as well in the past for West Brom. Um, I'm looking at actually bringing him in on the double game week. Will we uh, cut to Jeff Shreves in the physio room to see how Mikel Antonio is doing? Oh, I'm not sure about that. Um, <laughs> there was, was rumours doing the rounds today, of course, that um, apparently Moyes loves the look of uh, an 18-year-old attacker and he's going to be playing him. I don't know. Uh, with Antonio, I can see why you go there. He's obviously very, very exciting. I've had him this year, had him in years past, obviously last year with um, Project Restart. But his hammies are basically cheese strings at this point. Like it's It's very, very difficult to go there thinking with confidence that you're going to still have him in two or three weeks this game week i can imagine him having 90 minutes over two games so he'll start one play 60 minutes and have 30 minutes off the bench in the other one they have just sold haller so maybe we may see i don't know um he's given the chance to previous fitness and he was fit in the fa cup i think he did play the full game 
but he was off the pace, did look very, very sluggish to the eye, apparently. Is he going to be able to sustain himself over two full throttle Premier League games? I just don't know. I don't know whether he's quite match fit yet, match sharp yet, but I can see why you take the pump. All right, and the final thing um, in this little area is Liverpool. Uh, there are a couple of teams as well who are doubling, you know, like of Fulham, like of Chelsea, who we'll mention in a second. Um, but Liverpool are the one that I want to just kind of talk about before we move on to differentials. Because recently, uh, we have appear to have all gone cold on them. I saw you know, people who are wildcarding, just kind of removing Salah, removing likes of Robertson as well, and just kind of saying, well, you know, I'm not going to have Liverpool, I'm not, I'm not touching them again until, you know, game week, uh, yeah, game 22, 23, something like that. I'll, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. Um, they still have the best attacking data in the league, and I'm still looking at having Robertson and Salah. Um, I guess it just depends how you read the two games coming up in the double, doesn't it? I mean, United could either be a, a nervy kind of 1-1 one, one sort of game or a full pelt game where both teams go for it. Burnley, yeah, okay, that, that could be a bit of a, a, a one of those uh, where they're just under siege. But do you think people are right to be going cold on Liverpool, Nick? I mean, you're looking to captain uh, Salah and, of course, Robertson's one of your stalwarts. Yeah, well, I think it's just more the fact that Manchester City just have these excellent fixtures. Manchester United are playing really well as well. It's kind of like we're just kind of forgetting a little bit about Liverpool. They're kind of floating a a little bit under the radar. But I think certainly if you own Liverpool players, I would not recommend selling them. You know, the likes of Robertson, you mentioned that you were thinking about selling him at one point. I, I just wouldn't do it. I think he's worth holding for the double game week. Obviously, the Manchester United game can be a tough one, but then they've got Burnley yeah, at home. You could easily haul in that game, get a clean sheet and assists and a few bonus, and you're laughing. And, uh, yeah, in terms of the underlying stats, you know, he's, he is the defender still to own, I think, out of all the defenders in the game. You know, if you forget about Price, I think he's the best um, defender in FPL. Um, he's crazy first two chances, um, which is the most helpful defenders. Uh, seven big chances created as well, which is the most. And he's, he's picked up five assists for his travels. And, and he's a bit of a bonus hog as well. So I definitely recommend keeping Robertson, um, you know, and just holding him for now. Wouldn't sell him and take a hit to sell him. It'd be daft, especially when considering they, they have a double. Mo Salah, again, if you own him, I'd definitely keep him. I think you, you'd be absolutely crazy to think about transferring him out for De Bruyne or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, definitely hold for me with the Liverpool assets. Yeah, I guess uh, I, I would pretty much be the exact same as you on that, Nick. Like, I think Liverpool's brilliance has become like wallpaper at this point. You know, it's just, it's just not worth talking about. And that means that we do tend to forget them at times. Uh, Robertson, of course, the probably the premier choice there in defence. But actually, Alexander-Arnold has slowly but surely uh, his underlying stats have been catching up with Robertson. He hasn't quite uh, overtaken him yet, but he is 0.1 cheaper, and which might make the difference to somebody if you were trying to decide which of the Liverpool defenders you were considering bringing into your side. And then Salah, okay, yeah, there has been a fall, as Tom noted earlier in the pod, in his uh, non-pen XG this season. And I guess there has just been a fall in Liverpool's excitement, we'll say, uh, generally. But at the same time, these are two fixtures that they could do well in. I think defensively, especially, I wouldn't have anything to fear for Liverpool for quite some time. Like they have quite a lot of fixtures where you could see them getting a clean sheet. And that includes in this double game week. So the United game, Liverpool United matches have have in recent history just very much petered out into fairly boring nil-nils uh, an awful lot of the time. And you could see a clean sheet there. Burnley, ditto. Uh they're playing against Jose Mourinho's Tottenham in game week 20. Like, they don't attack. 
So that's that's just fine. Uh, then you've got West Ham. Okay, they're they're a good team, but you could still see Liverpool getting a clean sheet there. And then you've got Brighton, all fired, no poo, no conversion. So with that in mind, you're seeing that there's a good run there for the Liverpool defenders, just like the City ones. Obviously not as good as the City ones. And obviously the City defence has been more reliable and looks better on underlying stats this year and hasn't been injury-ridden like Liverpool's one. But at the same time, Liverpool's defence has, you know, season after season, organisationally managed to uh, find a way to keep clean sheets even through injury crises. And even this season has done to a lesser extent, but probably will keep more of them as things start to slow up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I'm happy with Robertson and uh, and Salah. I'll discuss later on. Nick mentioned I was thinking of selling him. I've been talking about this week a little bit in our little group, but I think I'm probably going to keep him just because I, I don't want to be moving on a doubler to another doubler. That just feels a bit a bit too risky for my blood. Uh, let's move on to differentials then as a fun little bit here. Um, if people have asked you know, players to be looking at around this sort of area. Um, so I, I guess... Let's nominate a few. Uh, I'm going to start us off with with one man, um, Jared Bowen, um, just because he's 3.4% owned. He's got two home games. Um, most people will be jumping on Suchet for obvious reasons. £1 million more expensive uh, than that guy. But as I said, 15% owned Suchek, uh, 3.4% owned Bowen. And uh, astonishing stat, 66% of all of his returns this season have come at home. He's got six returns, four of them have come at home, but that's the sort of thing you'll see on FPL Twitter. Um, and he could well be one of those players who um, could elicit unique points compared to everyone else piles onto one particular individual. Um, what do you guys reckon uh, as, a, as another differential? There's a few assets out there. You know, Obviously, Jamie Vardy's attracted a lot of attention, but I also think Timo Werner might be quite an interesting differential if you're fancying a bit of a punt. Um, with one of the Chelsea guys, it's 9.2 million. So he's very expensive, but, you know, he's been statting pretty well um, over the course of the season and um, certainly has been unlucky to have, have scored as few goals as he has so far. And But I think he's, he's starting to see in his last um, performances in the Cup as well, um, he's gaining a little bit of confidence at least. So that's, that's really reassuring to see. I think in terms of over the course of the season, he's fifth for goal attempts across all forwards, but he's only actually managed four goals. So that is a little bit of a concern. Um, but yeah, we, we all talked about how brilliant he was last season when he was at Leipzig. And I think, um, you know, you could even punt like on some of the midfielders, like, you know, Mason Mount could be a really interesting punt, only 6.8 million perhaps. Um, otherwise, I mentioned Leicester as well. Got the likes of Harvey Barnes, um, started excellently over the course of the season. But you've also got uh, players like James Madison at 7.1 million, who's um, put in some decent performances in recent weeks, been very much off the radar over the course of the season, but has actually now managed four goals and four assists and starting to show some real form. So he could be a decent differential. And um, and also Pogba, I thought he looks really good in that uh, midweek game. He's only 7.7 million. He's got a goal and an assist in the last two looks to be nailed on uh, for Manchester United so these are very much differentials but I think you know if you're fancying a bit of a punt considering all these players have double game weeks you know why not for one week perhaps yeah, I've, I've just wrote, I've just literally written down Chelsea and ringed it as a differential because you know, I've completely forgot, to be honest, until I did a little bit of work on this pod that they had a double game week. And then I looked into their players and probably forgot again because there's nothing really of note. Um, maybe the fact that Mounts created the fifth most chances over the last six, Madison's actually created the sixth as well. And maybe the fact that you know, Pulisic is back playing as well. I mean, these are kind of uh, players who are right on the fringes, but players who could well um, be of interest. Similarly, uh, Rhys James, I believe, is back, um, who could be a nice little cut price route into um, a Chelsea defence if you're interested. And there's always the perennial Ben Chilwell, who I'm sure is still in many, many squads. He's still got a decent ownership. Anthony? 
yeah, I think of those Chelsea assets, Chilwell is definitely the one that's most worth talking about. We, I noted earlier that Chelsea's defence is slowing down a bit, but at the same time, he, uh, you know, the decent enough fixtures there with uh, Fulham away and Leicester away, especially in the first of those, you'd be hopeful that they could get a clean sheet, even if they've been struggling to keep them of late. Um, I'm stretching the word differential by pointing to Jamie Vardy as a differential, but just looking at the Twitter sphere, he isn't actually in that many teams right now. And I think you should probably be looking to get him into your side, probably as a, a differential in uh, mini leagues, which include a lot of active FPL community managers, at least, uh, if not a differential in the overall game. Uh, after that, though, you know, the differentials would tend to come from the weaker sides and the weaker sides are the likes of Burnley, Fulham, Newcastle, West Brom, who have double game weeks and they all have you know, pretty difficult fixtures there. You could say West Brom's fixtures aren't too bad, but West Brom are bad, which means that you wouldn't be all that interested in them. And so really the differentials may well be the single game week players here. And I won't obviously point to Kane and Son, uh, but I would point to the likes of Patrick Bamford, uh, who I think is going to be disappearing from sides, uh, certainly won't be in free hit sides this week if there are a few people doing that. And I think he will be quite good against uh, Brighton. As long as that game goes ahead, there's talk of snow and ice warnings and things in the north of England, but just forget about that. They'll probably move it to Monday if they have to. Um, But he he would be the uh, most interesting uh, choice of those, aside from, okay, your classic Leeds players, the likes of Dallas or whatever, but I wouldn't call him a differential even if you tried. No, no. All right. Okay, great. Um, Let's actually stick with single game weekers um, and kind of uh, segue smoothly into the Q&A because selling singlers is obviously um, on the agenda for a lot of people. Um, Rishi FPL Raccoon asks if selling Son for KDB is the right move, uh, the move I'm looking at. And FPL Doctor asks if uh, asks something similar, um, asks if selling Kane to finance double game week friendly players effectively is a good idea. Um, I guess most people are going to be staring this in the face because obviously the one of the logical ways unless you do have a magic money tree or you've got or you've got a, a player missing like Salah or Fernandez, who's in many other squads um the way to get to the city players like of uh, kdb is through selling the spurs players i don't, I don't know I, i'm i'm selling some for kevin de bruyne again uh, for the second time this season this time it's not going to hurt me i'm sure no, i'm sure it, i'm sure it will find a way to screw me um one thing with with Son and Kane is that their EO is often so high. In fact, you know, in, in a lot of weeks, it's over 100%. So it's not effective owning them unless you have plans to captain them. I don't have any plans to captain them until game week 23, which is the West Brom game, or maybe 21 against Brighton. So it feels the case here that where I am in terms of rank, where I'm not looking to consolidate, I'm looking to climb, the ultimate optimal strategy is to simply tap out completely and rely on other assets like Kevin De Bruyne to make a difference to my rank. So I'm going to be selling Son for De Bruyne and captaining De Bruyne. Um, and I think that that's quite a logical thing to do. I'm sure that Son will go ahead and score five against uh, against Sheffield United and De Bruyne will play five minutes uh, against Crystal Palace and blank against Villa. Them's the breaks. You've got to sometimes make, make that sort of gambit. Um, Anthony, what about you? What do you think about selling those sort of singlers? I think in, in this term, we are really zeroing in on Kane and Son, aren't we? I think we are too. Yeah, I think that's, you know, a lot of people are using one free transfer, I think, or two free transfers, you know, with a hit involved perhaps, or just two free transfers. They're probably considering selling one of those first players to fill a gap in their side um, with one of those premiums that you speak about. Um, and I think the reason why Son is the one that people are looking to, and just we didn't touch on it there, is the fact that, okay, Kane occupies a premium slot in the forwards, but who are you going to bring in? Vardy. Vardy, yeah. But that's like, 
that's it. You know, that's the that's the, your other option there. But longer term, do you want to be going without Kane, with Vardy? That's the other question there. Whereas with selling Son, there's KDV, there's Salah, and there is Bruno Fernandes, who, of course, the yellow card and everything. But still, you would want those players in your side for a double game week. And that's why it, I think it makes sense to sell Son and not Kane specifically uh, for this double game week. And I think then going forward, you have kind of, you have the penalty play taker there. You've got the top score. You've got the, let's say, the talismanic figure historically there. And I think you've got the player that's more important to Spurs' side overall there if you've got Kane, in spite of the fact that Son has been probably the best player in the league uh, so far this season. Logistically, it makes sense to sell Son for De Bruyne for this particular week if you don't own De Bruyne. And, and Son is the main full guy because you're not going to be selling like Salah or Fernandes are you so yeah um with agreed uh just unfortunately it just doesn't work for my team because of the amount of hits that it would mean I'd have to take considering my forward line is already utterly trashed and I'd have to find an extra 2.1 million because it's not a straight swap the point is very very expensive he's 11.6 million so you know I'm, I'm certainly going to be in the min- 11.8 million even so I'm certainly going to be in the uh, the minority here um, without this guy for the double game week but I, I just don't really have a, a strategy or, or way of getting him in because I've got too many other fires to, to sort out in my team ultimately yeah, for, for the audience, this is your cue not to sell Spurs players. If Nick's holding on to them, they're about to go big, <laughs> just as everyone sells. <laughs> yeah, no, um, definitely. In fact, actually, we should zero out actually from the Spurs players into other singlers and perhaps unexpected players of a single game week uh, because triple leads is also one of those things that has been asked of us to speak about um, because people have said, you know, my plans have been thrown out the window uh, by those fixture changes that have happened recently. For example, Michael Lowe asked if triple leads is still worth the bench boost or is holding the chips now better. So a lot of people, including myself, including Nick, didn't have City players um, and had triple leads or double leads expecting the double game to look one way and then suddenly everything turned uh, on a knife edge and suddenly our teams look a bit crap. We could be taking some hits to sort them out. Um, so triple leads, a lot of people have got that on their bench, ready to go, had that ready to go for double game week and uh, we're looking at bench boosting. And... Uh, I've seen a lot of people saying, yeah, I'm still going to follow through with it. I had a conversation with a few people on Twitter the other day and it kind of feels a bit like, it obviously depends on your team. I'm sure if a lot of teams do look great. Leeds versus Bryson on paper is a great fixture. Yes. Um, but I think just be mindful about the fact that that single game week seems to be being built up to being you know, the best thing since sliced bread that Bryson are going to be caving in and letting Leeds score seven or eight goals everyone's gonna be happy and that one game will cover a, a, a double um I'm mindful of sunk cost fallacy here as well I've committed to my plans I've got to carry it through um you don't have to use the bench boost this week even if you've been planning to do it don't get caught up in getting getting it out of the way uh, being a thing and um, it's early enough in the season that there are other opportunities to use it. it's double game week 26 so they'll game week 37 perhaps if that happens um and I know there's a game in front of us, but just because it's in the present doesn't mean that it's the only time you can use it. There's also a raft of fixture postponements, um, which means there's lots of kind of random double game which to come. You've got your wild cards, perhaps, or free hits, some other way that you can build into uh, making your bench boost work wherever else in the season. I know people are also saying, oh, yeah, but European stuff is going to kick in then. But 
to be honest, the European stuff only affects your big players anyway. And what's interesting or important about the bench boost is the little guys as a supporter cast who come from clubs like West Ham likely who don't have European concerns. So that's a bit of a false red herring argument in my view. Um, so basically, if your team does look good for a bench boost, do do it. But if you are of the mindset that, oh, I, I've committed to my plan, I've got to go for it, I'm getting out of the way, I think again about that just because it might be a bit of a waste of a chip and you may have a better, better opportunity uh, further down the road. Uh, Anthony, what do you reckon here? See, this is the thing, Tom, is that getting that better opportunity is going to be quite hard for an awful lot of people. And if you've if you've built towards this point and if you are, if you are able to say hand on heart, um, trying to sh- uh, shore yourself of all biases, that your Leeds trio are your worst three players, then you've got a pretty balanced squad and this might be as good a time as any to bench boost. Uh, like the Brighton fixture is, it's a perfectly serviceable fixture for, you know, a, a team which tends to do all right against uh, that sort of team towards the bottom end of the table. It, it, you, it could conceivably be a, you know, confident one or two or three nil win. It could also be some sort of ludicrous three, two where they, you know, become their own worst enemy for a period in defense. Um, I would say that the former is more likely and that it could be a good day. Um, but the problem is that you'd have to look through the rest of your side. Like, for example, do you have the Mitchells and Brewsters also in your team? Uh, do you have like other Deadwood that you wouldn't necessarily want if you do or do you have quite a lot of double game week players that you're content with you're not just making this your bench boost week just for the sake of it even though you're not happy with let's say the rest of your side and you're just kind of trying to concoct the situation if that's what you're trying to do then this isn't the week to bench boost but at the same time uh, Tom kind of pushed or brushed aside the idea of the European fixtures. I think they're going to continue to cause greater uncertainty. COVID isn't going to stop causing uncertainty for a while, at least it looks like. And so with that in mind, if you think that you can get to 15 now, this might be as good a time as any, unless you have wild cards and things to set you up for potential double game weeks later where rotation or goodness knows what might affect you. So if you feel like you have the information and you're happy with it, I would say go for it i think ultimately if you're looking at your side and and you're thinking actually leads aside my, my team is really strong then then probably is a good idea to still bench boost because if you're thinking about having the leads guys sitting on the bench you've got three leads men all on the bench then go ahead and and use it because especially if that was your plan all along that you'd left your wild card until you know the last minute and and prepped for this double game with, with the idea of having sort of 15 double game weekers, you've got your your reserve goalkeeper there ready with his double game week, then I think go for it. Obviously, it's, it's very unfortunate um, for managers that targeted the double game week to have um, fixtures cancelled. But, you know, you, you can still rectify it here, you know, minus four here or there, minus eight. Um, would sort out your, your bench, essentially, but with free transfers and, and get 15 double game weekers in again if, if you need to. So... Uh, yeah, I, I would probably say if that was your original plan that you'd set up, that you'd planned for the double game week uh, to bench boost, then you, you can still do it, certainly, especially with the sort of new announcements of new double game weeks coming in. And and with all the uncertainty, to be honest, I, I'm not sure if there's going to be a better uh, opportunity later on in the season. You, you know, you might prep your next wild card for another bench boost, but things could easily hit the fan then as well. The fixtures might not line up in the same way as your team is currently. So... I, I don't think, you know, people who are planning on bench boosting should, should quit at this moment in time. Yeah, and maybe just to tag on as well, maybe if you are, if you do still have your wildcard and you are 
potentially considering this bench boost situation. I think what you need to think about is the type of compromises that you would have to make on your wildcard in five, 10 game weeks time, where you wouldn't be able to put your dud, you know, Brewster, Mitchell type characters into your side because you're trying to factor in putting together a team of 15 to bench boost. It's, it's, it's going to be very hard to then kind of reconcile that and maybe the compromises you make then and the hits that you take to fix that afterwards to set yourself up for that say the run into the season might just be so big that it might be just easier to almost get the bench boost chip out of the way and I know it's awful to you know reduce a chip to that but as we've kind of you know definitely drawn out at this point when you have the information you're pretty content with your side I would go for it yeah no it certainly makes sense I've seen that argument everywhere it's just at the end of the day you're making out like we don't do this every season anyway I know this season's a bit of a different season and there are always going to be these kind of clear uh, things to bear in mind but we do that every year where we do kind of find ways to enable stuff uh, be it through playing an unfortunate single game weaker like a Mitchell type or a Wambasaka type in the past it was at Palace or um, through you know finding other ways to to get a decent team out at the end of the day it's just it's just the thought of mind that I did see a lot of people kind of saying, oh, I've just got to go for it no matter what. And I kind of just thought, oh, really? I mean, maybe think about it a little bit more. And um, just to kind of provide a counterpoint, of course, I accept that if your team's looking good, go for it. And the final thing this week is how many hits would you take for a double? Uh, so Sean McCall asked about the bench boost and how many hits are justifiable for that. But let's widen that's just a double game week in general. Um, how many hits are willing to take? This leads us into transfers and captains as well. Um, and I think it is just one of those weeks where we are going to be seeing hits flying everywhere, isn't it? Um, Nick, you mentioned a little bit earlier about what you're looking to do. What level are you looking to go for? Minus eight's the threshold, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's going to be a minus eight for me. I'm not sure I really want to do a minus 12 and certainly not a minus 16. So it's, it's going to be a minus eight. I think it's worth highlighting that when you're taking hits to bring out single game weakers to bring in a double game weakers, it's not really a minus four. It's more of a minus two ultimately because you're getting those appearance, those extra appearance points from the guy you're bringing in. So kind of like a minus two, really, if you kind of think about it that way. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to do a minus eight, I think, because my team needs some serious surgery, but um, that probably is my threshold. But I think if you're, if you're considering things like minus 12s, you know, it could be worth it. If it, if you're, if you really want to sort out your team and, and load up on those double game because it's a good, it's a good opportunity as ever to, to sort it out. Yeah, I think I would say that minus eight, realistically that's as big of a number of hits as you should need to take I think you're you're really chasing kind of theoretical points at that point to try and justify it unless you've got like some sort of like multi-week strategy planned out where you could kind of consider that the points hits diluted even further than uh, they already are through the double game week itself Uh, for me personally with my own side it looks like I'll be taking a minus four this week Um, part of that will be to basically raise funds to move Son to uh, Salah. And Calvert-Lewin, who was injured, will obviously be the fall guy to do that. Bamford is probably the one who I'm looking at bringing in, although I'm juggling with the idea of Watkins um, as well, even even just to cover, but I feel like I'm starting to just cover all over the place at that point. And I, I've actually not owned Bamford all this season, and I quite like him against Brighton, and I do like that Newcastle fixture. And to be honest, just in general, Bright, he's just continued to hurt me so much this season. He's like this year's Ings that I feel like I want to get him in. Okay, interesting. Agree on that minus eight being the threshold. I agree with Nick's reasoning as well, minus two, so it definitely does make sense to me. Um, I'm looking at basically 
my rule this week is that I don't want to be selling double game week players for other double game week players. Uh, so as mentioned with Robertson, he would be a nice patsy to get uh, the likes of Cancelo or Diaz or Stones in. I just don't like the look of that because it's likely to be a hit. Let's face it, KDB is my like target. I've got to get him in, I think. So anything on top of that, I, I'm reasoning that I keep the player and I keep four points versus I replace him with another player and I lose four points. Is that going to work? Is that going to is, is? Am I going to see a profit from that move? I'm not sure. Selling Robertson for Cancelo Diaz is going to do that. I will be taking that hit though to compensate for the changing landscape. So, like Nick, I didn't have any Man City players, um, and I wish I didn't have to, but I've got to do what I deem is necessary here. Um, so, Son to Kevin De Bruyne. I'm going to do that. So Rafinha, who was in because of the Leeds double game week, um, over Sujek is going to be moved to Sujek. And the other thing I'm looking at is Alioski to Dawson because um, I can afford it. I'm hoping that um, there'll be a minus two sort of logic to that. Um, obviously, that is the Brighton game. Um, but with the return of Lorente, I'm told that perhaps um, Alioski may not have long in that team. Um, so, yeah, um, interesting one uh, this week. Um, it sounds like we're all pretty set, barring any last minute devastation uh, tomorrow um god you can just imagine pep coming out and saying oh he's just too pink i can't i can't play de bruyne anymore um <laughs> but we will see um, that is sounds... that is the mark of a great player the pink <laughs> this guy <laughs> no good. what does it mean <laughs> this guy this guy's got an incredible mentality he's an incredible assets of a team fantastic to have around the squad but, but will he start pep he's got an incredible mentality it's fantastic to have him around the team he will just do what i tell him he's fantastic <laughs> What, what he does on the pitch, no player can do. Bench. <laughs> Absolutely. It's just uh, all of that. So basically heard, heard what our transfers are earlier on um, and our captains are, as we said at the very top, but Anthony and I are both looking at KDB and Nick is looking at the boss to Salah and it looks like none of us can be using a chip. I'm considering using triple captain chip, um, but we shall see. Oh, I think that's your lot for this week. Cool. Yep, uh, we were Who Got Your Sisters. Thanks so much for listening and make sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Yeah, thanks so much for tuning in, guys. We'll be back at some point just after this extremely long game week that's coming up ends, probably recording on the weekend and getting something out to you guys over that weekend of uh, the, what is it, January 23rd, 24th. Uh, you can expect something around then probably becoming clear through uh, Tom tweeting at some point over the next uh, few weeks, uh, next five days or so. Uh, until then, thanks so much for tuning in and uh, we look forward to uh, picking over the ruins of the double game week with you then. Oh, I hope it's just you ahead of double game week. But we'll speak to you next week then. Uh, all the best uh, for that big double. Bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.